This is the University Seventh-day Adventist Church in the sunny Orlando, Florida. We are glad that you are listening to our weekly podcast. Our prayer is that you will be blessed and challenged by our message today. And may God lead you in the next step of your growth in Him. Here is our future sermon. I want to thank Chaplin for those kind words. I want to share with you a story. and I've never mentioned it with anyone before, not even my wife. I've never talked about it. But, you know, it's not a woo. <laughs> but about four years ago when Pastor came here, and one day he, he called me and he said, I guess they had board meeting or they, they had the nominating committee, they met and everything. And Pastor called me and he said, just randomly, he said, I didn't even know he had my number. He called and he said, William. And I, I, I said, hello? He said, this is Pastor Alex. I'm like, okay. He said, um, we've nominated you to be an elder. And I said, what? He said, I've nominated you to be an elder. And I'm like, okay. And he said, what do you think about it? I said, I said Pastor, you know what? I, I, I don't mind working with the young people, you know. I, I, don't, I don't mind just doing AYs and stuff like that. And he was like, no, but we want you to be an elder. And I, I started to come up with some excuse. And then he said, you think about it. So you see here, I was starting, I was running from what God wanted me to, to, to do. But there's something, you can run, but you can't hide. You can run from God, but you can't hide. And God had a plan for me, and I was like, why, why me, Lord? What do I have to offer your people? And he reminded me that me becoming an elder, it wasn't about me, it wasn't about me trying to reach people. He wanted to even save my own self. And he had a, a mission. He has a purpose for my life. And I just pray that God will continue to use me to grow with him. Because you're, you're, you can never be fully grown when it comes to God. So I pray that he may continue to use me to, to, to work and to, to do his work. And that I may increase um, spiritually. I, I feel full. If you, for those of you who are here from Sabbath school... It's been a blessing from Sabbath school. Um, Jeremy sang, and he, he, she sang about God and uh, how undescribable un he is. And that was a blessing in itself. And then we, we moved on to Sabbath school, and we talked about um, not only being hearers, but being doers of God's word. And now Ariel came, and Ariel had a whole sermon <laughs> with, with the praise team. I, I'm, I'm starting to think, where, where do I fit in here? But, <laughs> but you, you know what? God, he promised that he, he will bless us. And even though I, I feel full, he said he'll bless us to the point that we will overflow. So we're going into overflow mode right now, all right? <laughs> so I pray that um, God will, will use me not to speak to me and also to speak to you. Today I've entitled my, um, my, my, my message standing on his promises standing on his promises and the scripture reading that was well read earlier in isaiah chapter 41 and verse 10 i want you all to read that with me isaiah 41 and we're going to read verse 10 together if you find it say amen isaiah 41 verse 10 amen all right let's go it says fear not for i am with you be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. 
Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Talking about standing on his promises. He said, I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my right hand. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you may fill me now with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Speak to us, I pray in your name. Amen. In the early, 19, the early 1970s, in a quiet neighborhood, this occurred in a very quiet, you know, we have the quiet neighborhood and we have the ones that are not so quiet and we have the loud neighborhoods. So this was a very quiet neighborhood. Not a lot of activity took place in this neighborhood. And there was this one family, the Miller family. And Mr. and Mrs. Miller, they would go for strolls, go for walk in the evening time. But they would not talk to anyone. They're the type that they would walk and they, they, they would hold hands together. They would keep their head down. And we, we all have some of those folks in our neighborhood. And the first thing we think about, we call them what? Weird, right? We say, man, they, those people are weird. But the Mr. and Mrs. Miller, they were rather quiet. And some people labeled them as being weird. And some people said, man, there must be something going on in the Miller's life. They always look so stressed out. They, they, they have this burden on them. Their, their heads are hung low. And they, they never talk to anyone. So... We're talking about this quiet neighborhood. One day, the sounds of um, police cars came, ambulance came, fire truck. So a neighborhood that was normally quiet has turned chaotic. And everybody was wondering what is going on. The cops that pulled up at the, the Miller's residence. Later on, they found out that Mrs. Miller had committed suicide. She hung herself in the garage. Month went by and Mr. Miller, he would go for his walk. Now he would go walking by himself. His wife had passed. And Mr. Miller, holding his head down, didn't talk to anybody around him, didn't share with his neighbor what was going on. And one day he went for a stroll, he went for a walk. And as he was Entering his own home, a man out of his house came rushing at him and attacked him. A fight went on, and Mr. Miller was able to subdue the attacker, and things calmed down. This attacker turned out to be Mr. Miller's own son. The following day, the police were back. Ambulance were, were back. Mr. Miller committed suicide. It turned out that their son, Werner, was a drug addict. And he would do everything. He made their life miserable. He robbed from them. He, he, he stole from them. So they were going through a rough time. They were going through trial. They were going through a, a, a difficult point in their life. And the way that they decided to end all of this, they, they went to the route of suicide. The question is, have things got any better today? Remember, this was 1970 now. This was in the early 1970s. So have things gotten any better? The answer is no. Suicides are at an all-time high. Every time you turn the, the, the television on, 
it's news of another killing. If I should ask you how many they've had this week, you probably won't even be able to count. We have mass killing, mass murders. You also have diseases taking over our world. Diseases in which there seems to be no cure. No one has the answer. The government, they are baffled by what's going on with Ebola. They don't know how to address this issue. Then we have wars, and the Bible tells us that in the end times there will be wars and rumors of war. And we're seeing Iraqi war, Afghanistan, ISIS, ISIL. We are surrounded by war all around us. We also see where Christians are now being persecuted for what they, be, they, they believe in. We're seeing that ever so more often nowadays. Christians are being persecuted. But if we take it a little closer to home, we may not be experiencing the war. We may not be experiencing the, 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 these natural disasters that's been going on. But we, in our own little world here in Orlando, in Central Florida, we are going through our own times. We are having trials and we are having tribulations that we have to deal with. We are having things that we have to face. We are having financial problems. We are having relationship problems. We are having problems in school with our job. We're having problems all around us. The question is, how are we going to deal with these issues that we're facing? That is the question. How are we going to guard ourselves against what these, the, the, the problems that we face? The reality is that we're going through perilous times. We find ourselves in the midst of these trials and tribulations, and we don't, sometimes we don't know how to handle it. But Isaiah reminds us that we should fear not, for he's with us. We shouldn't be dismayed because God will strengthen us. All we have to do is to claim his promise. God knew that times would come when we are at the lowest point in our life. And even though we may sin, even though we may turn our back against him, he tells us that in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, he says that if my people who are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. So he's saying that if we humble ourselves, if we seek him in the midst of our trials and tribulations, whatever we go through, the government is not, not the answer. Suicide is not the answer. The only answer is our heavenly father. He's the only one that is able to deliver us from the circumstance. All we have to do is to seek his face. We have to pray, and he will deliver us. I want you to turn with me to the book of Genesis. And for the next 20 minutes or so, we're going to talk about Jacob here. So Genesis chapter 32, and that's where we're going to spend most of our time this afternoon. Genesis chapter 32. And... Before we get into it, I'm going to give you a little background information on, on Jacob. So we know Jacob was a twin, he, he was a twin, and his brother's name was Esau. So Jacob's brother's name was Esau, and his father's name, Isaac, and his mother was Rebekah, right? So the Bible said in Genesis chapter 25, verse 22, it said a struggle between Jacob and Esau started from they were in the, the womb, in, the, in their mother's womb. Imagine that. 
They were struggling even before they took their first breath. Imagine that. So if they were struggling before they were born, imagine what things would be when they were born, right? Then Jacob grew up, and the Bible said he was the quiet one. Jacob, he was the one who stayed in the tents. He was his mother's favorite. So we see here Jacob was mama's boy. If you, if you want to look at this this way, Jacob was the one who would be sitting on the computer, right? Yeah, he, he's the one who didn't want to get his hands dirty because Jacob was Mr. Nice Guy. But Esau was the polar opposite. Esau was a hunter. He, Esau was a man of the countryside. And who, who, who was Esau's favorite? His father. So Esau was more of the, 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 the outdoor type of person, and he, he liked to hunt, he liked to, to go in the fields. That's the person who Esau was. And it says here that when the time came, so Isaac was getting old in age now. Isaac was getting much older. And the time came for Isaac to bestow his blessing on his sons. But Jacob and his mother, they came up with a plan to deceive Isaac into blessing Jacob instead of Esau. Imagine that. So when Esau found that his blessing had been given to Jacob, naturally, Esau was mad. If you think about it, when we are growing up and our brother or sister takes something out of our plate, how we feel, right? But now we see where Esau, where Jacob deceived his father into blessing him instead of Esau. Esau was angry. He was upset. And if you remember, Esau is a hunter. So trouble was knocking at Jacob's door. Esau wanted to kill Jacob. Esau went after Jacob. So what did Jacob do? He sinned greatly. He sinned against his father, sinned against God. So he decided to do what most of us would do when we're caught in our issues. We try to, what from it? Run from it, right? So, so Jacob was now running from his sin. He's running from what he did. He was running from Esau. And if you go back to, this, to the, the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, when they sinned, what was the first thing they did? Exactly. They tried to, they, they tried to cover things up. They tried to run from their sin. So Jacob, naturally, he knew what he did was wrong. He, know, he knew he committed a sin. So he said, I'm going to run because who is coming after me? The hunter. The hunter is coming after me. But you can run, but you may not be able to hide. You may be able to run from your sin for a while, but how long can you run from it? So after many years had passed now, so Jacob, he moved on to a different land. And the Bible said that Jacob, he, he, he became wealthy. Jacob had wives, not wife, but Jacob had wives, right? He had children, he had cattle, he had donkey, he had sheep, he had servants, he had male and female servants. So Jacob was now doing well for himself. He was prospering. After about 20 years, Jacob decided that you know what? It's time for me to go back to my father's land. I'm going back home. He decided that he's going to go back home. But then it dawned on Jacob that I didn't leave home in good, in good standings. 
he, he realized that I didn't leave home peacefully. He remembered that when he left home, he left home in trouble. His brother was after him. So Jacob now realized that his sin is catching up with him. So even though we think we can run from, and for a minute we may think that, oh, we are over it, there are times in our life when things are going to start to catch up with us. And we find out here that Jacob realized that his sin was catching up with him. It says, behold, your sin shall find you out. So now, Jacob is at a point in his life where he's in trouble. He wants to go back, and he's saying, my brother, is, it, 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 when I left, my brother was angry at me. And I can see Jacob, he, he's thinking now. He's saying, huh, I wonder if he forgot. I wonder if he's over it. it, it it's been 20 years. He, he, he should grow up by now. And he's, he's trying to think things through. But he said, uh, you know what? Remember now, J J Jacob is a deceiver. He's a trickster. He said, I'm going to come up with a way in which I can appease my brother, in which I can gain his approval. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to come up with a way in which I can go back home and everything will be cool. So Jacob came up with what I call plan A. And plan A is found in um, Genesis 32 verse 4. Plan A is, and he commanded them saying, commanded his servants saying, speak thus to my Lord Esau. Thus your servant Jacob says, I have dwelt with Laban and stayed there until now. I have oxen, I have donkeys, I have flocks, and male and female servants. In other words, he said, I'm rich now. And he said, I have all these, and I have sent to tell my Lord that I might find favor in your sight. So that was Jacob's plan A. He decided that what his first option was to rely on his wealth and his possessions to get him out of his situation. How many times we find ourselves in deep trouble, and the first thing we say, okay, how can I, how, how can I pay somebody to take care of this? Or not even your money, but then oh, your fame. You probably say, oh, you know, you know I'm such and such. I'm the president of this group. We try to get ourselves out of situation based on our possessions and based on our wealth. So that was Jacob's plan A. So yes, the, the, the messengers went. And I can see Jacob, he's sitting there and he's, he's anxiously awaiting the return of these messengers. And the messengers did come back. And they had word for Jacob. And they said in, in verse 6, Then the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to your brother Esau, and he is also coming. He's coming to meet you. So Jacob is sitting there and said, Oh, cool. He, 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 I guess he may find favor. But the, the, the messengers, they weren't done yet. They said, And 400 men are with him. So plan A failed. <laughs> plan A didn't work at all. He's, the, the money, his, he, he, the gifts to his brother, he, Esau is saying, I don't need that. I'm still angry at you. So he's still upset with Jacob. And he's saying that I'm coming for you. And I'm coming. I'm taking 400 of my men with me. So what happened? Jacob was now scared to death. He's saying, whoa, I guess my money is not going to help me this time. So Jacob needs to come up with another plan. And I call this one plan B. Jacob 
is going now to plan B. And remember, he was, he was cunning to the point where he was able to deceive his father. So he's, he's now playing mind games. Jacob decided to play mind games. He's trying to use his intelligence to get him, his, himself out of this situation. So in a strategic move, he divided up the people who were with him, as well as the flocks and the herds and the camels, and he divided them into two groups, and he sent them in opposite campsites. So this was, this was Jacob's thinking. If Esau comes to one camp and destroy it, then the camp that is left will be able to get away. So he, he's trying to set up like a, a, a decoy here. He's saying, okay, I'm going to send one group here, and then we're going to squeeze through here. That's, that's Jacob's plan. That's his, he said, oh, that's what I'm going to do. So he's saying, okay, I'm going to get you this way. But I want you to pay attention here, because Jacob is coming to a turning point in his life. He is still realizing that something is missing. In the midst of his trial and his tribulation, he realized that trouble is ahead, his money won't save him, and he realized that plan B is weak because Esau is coming with 400 men. So he's saying that plan B doesn't seem reasonable. So now Jacob needs to come to plan C. And in plan C, Jacob, for the first time in his life, realized that his wealth can't save him, only God can save him. He realized that his intellectual ability cannot save him, only God can save him. He realized that man can't save him, only God can save him. So for the first time in his life, Jacob turned to God. Brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you that Jacob's plan C should be our plan A. We should not wait to explore if our money can help us, if, if man can help us, if our own um, intelligence can help us. Immediately when we find ourselves in situations, when we're going through, we should turn to God first and foremost because he's the only one who will be able to deliver us in the time of trials and in time of trouble. So Jacob now, this was desperation mode for Jacob. Uh, we call it crunch time. J J Jacob was going through a rough time now, and he was in a situation where even if you're not a prayer warrior, you learn how to pray. So, so Jacob was not a, 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 the most religious person out there, but Jacob, he knew a few things, and a few things he knew. He said, I'm going to rely on this to take me through. So in the midst of his troubles, in the midst of his situation, Jacob, Mr. Selfish Jacob, the deceiver Jacob, the trickster Jacob, for the first time in his life, he said, okay, I have to go to God in prayer. So he said that I'm going to go to God. I'm going to face my trials with God. I'm going to have him lead. So Jacob, he remembered the text that we mentioned earlier, that if my people were called by my name, Jacob said, he remembered that. He said, I'm going to humble myself before God, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to seek his face because he promised, he promised that if I do that, he will heal me, he will deliver me. So that's what Jacob did. He said, I'm going to go to God in prayer. So if you turn to verse, to, to verse 9 of chapter 32, then Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord, 
who said to me, so now you see where Jacob is now, he's recognizing God for who he is. He said, you're Al Almighty God. You're the creator. You are God. You're the only one that can help me. And then he said that, in verse 10, I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servant. So right there he said, I don't deserve your love and your loyalty you've shown me. He said, for I crossed over the Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him. So now he admits that he's in trouble. He said, I'm fearful. He said, I need your help. I'm in trouble. He said, I fear him. And then he said, this is the part that I like in, 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 in verse 12. He said, for you said, and with, remember we're talking about standing on his promises. He said, you said, Lord. He said, you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitudes. So Jacob, in the midst of his issues, he remembered that God said he would bless him. And Jacob stood on his promise. He said, God, I'm claiming it now. I need your help. Bless me, Lord. In the, in, in the book, Patriots and Prophets, he said, chapter, um, page 198, he said, In his night of anguish beside the Jabbok, when destruction seemed just before him, Jacob had been taught how vain is the help of man, how groundless is all trust in human power. He saw that the only help must come from him against whom he had so grievously sinned. Helpless and unworthy, he pleaded God's promise of mercy to the repentant sinner. That promise was his assurance that God would pardon and accept him. Sooner might heaven and earth pass than the word could fail, and it was this that sustained him throughout his, the, the, this conflict he was going through. The prayer that Jacob prayed, it, it, it's, it's different from what some of us would pray. Jacob went boldly before God. He, 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 went, he, he went in confidence. He went boldly before God. And he knew that he needed God now more than ever before. But sometimes when we're faced with issues, we're afraid to go to God and claim his promise. We feel that unworthiness comes over us, where we think that we are not worthy for him to bless us. And the, the prayer that we tend to pray, it, it, it kind of sounds like this. But God, even though it may be a long shot, <laughs> would you please come down and perform one little miracle, Lord? Just, just one time, please, Lord. Just and, and then we, we're going to this bargaining. We start to bargain with God. We say, just one time, and if, if you deliver me from this situation, I'll return tithes for the rest. <laughs> yeah, I'll be faithful with my tithe given. And I will do this. And if, if you give me that job, Lord, my first two paychecks, I'll give it all to you. And we, we, we start to bargain with God. But God doesn't need us to bargain with him. He, he doesn't need all of that. He said he, we should be like Jacob. We should go boldly. We shouldn't be afraid to claim what he promises because he said that he will deliver us from our situation. We live in a world today where there's chaos around us, anxiety. We live in fear. 
It, we're, we're fed fear every day. If you turn on the TV when you're eating your breakfast, you're going to eat fear. For lunch, it's fear. For dinner, every time you turn on the television, it's, it's just fear, fear, fear. We're going through rough times. We're going through perilous times. And in these times, we have to know how to trust God and trust him to lead us through our times. So now we see Jacob becomes a believer. Jacob, J Jacob's strength is renewed. And uh, when I was reading this, I imagined Jacob. He was, he was kneeling down in prayer to God. And when Jacob got up off his knees, he was now pumped up. He felt good and his chest was high and his, his, head's, his head was up. And I can imagine one of the servants say, oh, you, you know, Esau is not a far off. He's, he, he's coming and Jacob's like, Esau, who? I'm good. Because now Jacob has renewed confidence Jacob is, 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 is hopeful. He's trusting God to lead. But then there's a little change in events here. Things start to change a little bit. Before Jacob went to bed, he sent the messengers ahead of him, and he sent them with some gifts. And then he, he laid down to sleep. And Jacob laid down to sleep, but Jacob could not sleep. He was tormented. He twists. He turned. And how many times we're going through struggles and we leave here after we pray with the brothers and sisters and we feel good. But when we go home, we, we just feel that pressure. Everything comes down on us and we can't sleep. We're, we're tormented. We can't, and that's what Jacob was going through. Jacob is starting to become fearful again. And that's what the devil does to us. He tries to instill this fear in us. So in the middle of the night, Jacob is now losing a little hope. And Jacob, he got up and he took his family. And he took, he took his wives and his children and his servants. And he took them to the other side of the river. And if you, if you turn with me to, to verse 22, he said, And he arose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, his eleven sons, and cross over the ford of Jabbok. It's not done yet. He said he took them, sent them over the brook, and he sent over what he had. That what he had is his possessions. Jacob is not letting go of his possessions. He's going through issues, and he's still holding on on some things. He's saying that I'm still holding on on that. And when we're going through, we have to learn how to leave that baggage behind us. We have to learn how to claim on God and hold on to him and leave the things of the world behind us. And we see here where Jacob was still, still holding on to certain things. But even after Jacob did that, he still wasn't feeling confident. He still didn't feel right. He was still fearful. And what Jacob did next, what Jacob did next was important. He went back this time in private. He went back by himself. He went back to prayer. He went to seek God in private by himself. And he went and he knelt down to pray. And in, in verse 24, it says here, Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. So now we see where a wrestling match developed. A wrestling match started, and Jacob was holding on. 
Jacob was tired, but he said, I'm still holding on. He's, he, his arms were getting weak, but he said he's still holding on. And if, if you picture a wrestling match, you can not, you don't only use your hands, but you, you use your legs also. And I can imagine Jacob, he's trying to wrap his legs. He, he's, hold, he's holding on for dear life. And now it was midnight, and Jacob is still holding on. Three o'clock, Jacob is still holding on. The breaking of day come, and Jacob say, I'm not letting go. And Jacob is still holding on because Jacob said, you said it, Lord. You will deliver me. I'm standing on your prayers. So Jacob is still holding on. And then in verse 25, he says, now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. So we see here where Jacob now, his leg was fractured. He's losing leverage. But Jacob grimaced and he's holding on. He says, I'm not letting go. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. And he said, I will not let go until you bless me. He said, I will not let go until you deliver me. I will not let go until you lift me up. I'm holding on until you bless me. I want to tell you that when things are getting rough, when we are going through struggles, when life becomes difficult, when we feel like the very ground in which we stand on, we are losing it, when your family turns against you, when your friends turn against you, you have to hold on because only God you can find leverage. And when your enemies mount up against you, he said in John 14, he said, let not your heart be troubled. He said, just believe in me. We have been reminded in, in the book of that he's our refuge and he's our strength. He's a present help in the time of trouble. We must remember that God is the Alpha, he's the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. It starts with him, it ends with him. He, he is who is, who was, and who is to come. He is God, so no weapons that form against us shall prosper. We are more than a conqueror. God said that he will raise us up in the midst of our situation. So keep holding on to his unchanging hands. There's going to be times when we're going to have a wrestling match. And we're going to have to stay up the late times of the night. We're going to have to be, seek God in prayer. We're going to have to hold his words. We're going to have to study his word. We're going to have to pray, keep praying. Not only for ourselves, we have to pray for our family, our sons, our daughters. We have to pray for our brothers, our sisters. We have to pray for the leaders of our country. We have to pray because that he's the only one that can lift us up. He's the only one that can deliver us. All we have to do is to hold on until he blesses us. Because in Revelation 3 verse 21, he says, He to him that overcomes, I will grant to sit on my throne. He has a blessing in store for us. We see here in closing that th this is not the end of the, 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 the story. In verse 27, he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Jesus was asking Jacob what his name because he didn't know what his name was. He asked Jacob his name because it was confession time. He said, Jacob... You're the deceiver. You're a sinner. What is your name? And Jacob said, my name is Jacob. In other words, he said, my name is sinner. 
In other words, he said, my name is deceiver. In other words, he said, my name is the trickster. He confessed, he said, this is who I am. I'm the one who deceived my father. This is me. This is me, Jacob. And then, God, he wasn't done yet. He said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. So he said, I'll give you a new name. I'll give you a new name. I'm going to change you. You're no longer called sinner. You're called righteous. You're no longer sinner. You're called faithful. You're no longer sinner. You're called hopeful. You're no longer sinner. You're called holy. I'm going to give you a new name because you have held on to me and I'm going to bless you. So all we have to do is to hold on. Hold on to God. It doesn't matter what we're going through. We just have to hold on, claim him, because he will bless us. And when he blesses us, he will change our name. He'll give us a new name, and we will be new people. So hold on to God's unchanging hand.